Welcome to the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast with your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Badass Direct Sales Mastery is a podcast for rock star direct sales moms who are determined to make their business kick ass. Jenny will share her knowledge of effective sales and recruiting techniques, tips to get what you want from your business, and will interview direct sales professionals and leaders from various companies. The interviews will give insight to how these rock stars got to where they are and where they plan to grow in the future. And now, the direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Welcome back to another episode of Badass Direct Sales Mastery. I'm your host, your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger, helping you whip your business into shape. I am super excited to bring back Jordan Adler. So I don't know how long you guys have been, how how long you've been listening to the episodes here, but you probably, if you've been listening long enough, you probably remember the episode from Jordan before. If you haven't listened, go back and listen. Go check that one out. We're going to link in the show notes below. But Jordan, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here, Jenny. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I'm super excited to have you on this specific series, which is the Six Figure Success Series, um, because you are probably, I'm, I'm thinking, one of the top earners I've ever had on the show ever. And so it would make perfect sense to bring you back for this one, right? Fantastic. Great. So. So, Jordan, for those who maybe don't know your history or maybe they don't know you, they haven't read Beach Money or Better Than Beach Money. Give us a quick, in a nutshell, view of your network marketing history. Yeah, well, I I started when I was in my 20s, I started dabbling in network marketing. I was living in the I was living in the south suburbs of Chicago and I I moved myself to Arizona because I had a degree in landscape architecture. And so I moved to Arizona with a guitar, a suitcase, and 250 bucks. And I started applying for opportunities in the classified ads, uh, business opportunities. And so over the course of 10 years, I got involved with 11 different network marketing companies, never made a penny, never signed up a single person. And But I was learning along the way. I was listening to audios and I was attending seminars and I racked up about $36,000 in credit card debt on 22 credit cards. You know, doing all that stuff, buying product and showing up at events and, you know, traveling here and there. And I didn't have the money to do it. So I was using my credit cards. And at the age of 34 years old, I was living in an enclosed garage. Uh, My rent was $200 a month. I had lots of credit card debt. I had a broken down vehicle that had not been running for two years. And I joined my 12th network marketing company. And at that point, I cracked the code and figured out some really simple things. And my business took off and I ended up making millions of dollars in that company. When I joined the company, I was still living in the enclosed garage, but then I went on to, you know, I was able to get a couple of nice vehicles and buy a home in the forest and traveling the world and completely transformed my life. But that was after 10 years and 11 false starts before I finally hit my stride. And, um, and I have not had a job now since 1996. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So you're pushing 30 years of being fully self-employed. Yeah. Yeah. And I've only had four months during those 30 years that were down, like where I where it was like because the company I had been aligned with after I was there for 13 years, but they were a 16 year old company. They became obsolete because of a radical change in technology. When everything went digital, our technology became obsolete. 
So that company went away and then I got started with a, a different company. Now I'm, I'm an independent distributor. I don't work for the company. I'm self, fully self-employed. So I work as much as I want to or as little as I want to. And I, I call my own shots and I, I have my own schedule. However, I'm partnered with as an independent distributor, a network marketing company, and they provide the services and the customer support and I do the marketing. I'm one of the people who do the marketing, obviously. Right. And so for the past 18 years now, I've been building a company and built a customer base that has resulted in almost a billion dollars in sales wow. over the course 18, past, past 18 years. Yeah. That's amazing. I I hope that you do the big celebration when your total sales hits a billion dollars. Oh my gosh, that'll be huge. So what I want to jump back to is that the company where you finally cracked the code when you went from, you know, being in debt, you know, basically starting at zero or less than zero since you were in debt. And what was that journey from? zero to the first six figures like what what are some of the things that you did well, that benefited you between 1992 and 1997 right right in those range that's when i first cracked six figures okay and then ultimately seven figures and there were some really fundamental things like i'd been I, I, one of the things even whether people have different ideas of what sales is you know some people think of sales as manipulation some people think of sales as high pressure, you know, and a lot of people say, I'm not a salesperson. Well, the people that become great at sales are people that are good at asking questions and listening, understanding someone's needs, and then offering something that's a good fit that will help them solve their problems. And so those are skills that you learn. And I wasn't a great salesperson for my first 10 years in this business. I acquired the knowledge and the skills through reading and through going to events and then for pre from practicing in the field. And so some of the basic things were like understanding the importance of building a list, a network of people that you then make sure that you care, you take care of in terms of like nurturing the relationship. So that's the first thing is your network is your most valuable asset. Mm -hmm. And I learned that through the people that mentored me and the events that I went to and Look, you know, just observing the people that are the most successful have the so most solid networks of people. You know, Harvey McKay says, if you want to predict the future of someone's income, look at the size of their Rolodex. Mm. Oh, Gerard, uh, in his book, How to Sell Anything to Anyone, he was in the Guinness Book World, World Records eight years in a row. And Joe was masterful at making sure every single person that he met knew that he cared about them for their lifetime. And so he built a, a Rolodex, same thing. He built a Rolodex, a network of people that whenever they thought of buying a car or selling a car, if they knew anybody that wanted to buy a car or sell a car, the first person they thought of was Joe because Joe cared. Joe will treat you right. And I trust Joe. Mm. And so, but, but that was the first thing is I understood the value of a network and learn how to nurture a network, learn how to build those relationships long-term, not just one time to get the sale, but long-term. The second thing was I learned how to set up an appointment and I learned how to give a presentation. So whether you do that using social media or in person, you know, the, every, every sales opportunity requires you to, to somehow 
present what it is you've got to offer and understand what your potential clients are looking for. Yeah. Those are the things that I learned. And so I started giving three presentations a week at a little coffee place on Mill Avenue in Tempe, Arizona. And I kept track. I tracked myself. How many presentations was I giving? How many sales was I making? How many distributors were I set, was, was I signing up? And I started consistently signing up one new distributor a month. I did that every month, approximately one a month. On my 19th month, I'm sorry, on my 24th month, I'd signed up 19 distributors. My 16th distributor was a woman named Jackie Ulmer. You might know her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jackie got excited about what we were doing and she started talking to some of her friends and one of them was a lady named Judy Dubiel out of New Mexico. Judy started inviting some people over to her home. This is how it was done back then. Mm-hmm. And in the next three years, that group grew to 12,000 distributors and 40,000 customers and I made my first million. Wow. So, but the, what I did was I consistently brought in one new distributor a month for a couple of years. Now, today I bring in about one distributor per week and I'm giving probably two presentations a day. Mm-hmm. I don't, if this were my job, I would probably get fired for lack of productivity, to be honest, because <laughs> I don't work that much. Somebody who has a plan for consistent work, as long as you do the work consistently, like if you were to give one presentation a day, say 300 days a year, that's 300 presentations, you're going to sign up about 30 people a year. And from those 30 people, you're going to have one or two that are going to build big businesses and you're going to get an override on that. You're going to get a residual check. The other thing I did is I aligned myself with opportunities that threw off passive income so that I could accumulate an income stream. So if you can make, say, $50 a month in passive income, meaning that $50 a month comes in every single month, if you keep doing the work and you add another $50, now you're making $100 a month. Over the course of the years, two, three, four, five years, you can develop a significant income stream that could match or exceed your bills. Yeah. We have an income stream that pays you whether you go to work or not. That was a decision to align myself with opportunities that throw off passive income. Most people, they either don't believe it's possible or they don't believe it's possible for them. So they continue to just trade time for money. As long as you're doing that, you're going to be selling your time for the rest of your life, meaning that every time your income stops, you're out of money until you go get your next job versus having something that pays you recurring income. And there are literally hundreds, probably even thousands of opportunities out there right now that throw off passive income. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Off the top of my head, I mean, the number of companies that have added in you know, because they have either a consumable product, you know, so they have they've been intelligent and set up like an auto ship. So you sell one time, but the customer keeps buying as long as they're happy with the product and continue to use it. Right. Yeah. Imagine if every single time somebody used your product, you got paid or every single time they bought your product, you got paid. Mm -hmm. So when you participate with something that has, like you said, a consumable product or a subscription and Make sure that you get paid every time that subscription is purchased. And there are literally endless opportunities like that out there. It used to be it was just like maybe rental real estate, vending machines. Now we're marketing, but today there's like so much out there. Yeah. Like ClickFunnels has an affiliate program and, and Keep has an affiliate program and I could go on and on. I mean, most business coaches have affiliate programs that allow you to make recurring income. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm in the process of building that myself because <laughs> I've learned my lesson, right? So in moving from that zero to six figures, um, what would you say was the biggest obstacle you had to overcome during that time? Truthfully, as cliche as it sounds, it was my own personal self-talk, mm-hmm. my, my self-defeating talk that caused me to question. So like, I've got a helicopter license and I got my license. I went in to get my license when I was 55 years old. I actually got it when I was 57. And it was the hardest thing I ever learned to do. The skill set was way, way, way beyond what I ever expected it to be. It was the, the volumes of information that you had to, that you had to consume and then remember was overwhelming in and of itself. That didn't even include flying the skills to fly the helicopter. And so once I was deep into it, I'd already told everybody in my life that I'm, I'm going to get my helicopter pilot's license. So there was no backing out. <laughs> uh, other, otherwise, I would have had like major egg on my face. So every time I was challenged with like, I don't think I can do this. This is too hard. This is too scary. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm up for it. All those kinds of things. I mean, because I had told so many people. I mean, I could have gotten out of it. I could have made the decision and just explained it to everybody. But instead, rather, I just I made the decision that I'm just going to keep going, keep putting one foot in front of the other until I mastered it. And today, I fly helicopters, and and that's how I take things on right now. Like I, when I look back, uh, even in network marketing, whatever it is you're doing, it doesn't matter if it's network marketing or not. Whatever it is you're doing, when you start it, it's overwhelming. It's like you don't think you can do it, and so it's. To answer your question, what's the biggest obstacle? The biggest obstacle was me doubting myself. Mm. And, and then also other people doubting me as well. I mean, that, that haunted me as well. People that saw me in 10 different, 11 different network marketing companies never making a penny. I've talked to all my friends and family and they're like, Jordan, you know, at what point do you quit on this? Because it hasn't worked for you in 10 years. Right. When are you going to throw in the towel and just go out and get a good job? And work that job, you know, and I just never gave up on the dream. Yeah. Never gave up on the dream. Actually, the truth is I gave up on the dream a number of times, but I always worked to recapture it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I was just playing around on your website a little bit before we hopped on the call here. And I saw one of the quotes that's featured from you is, I have quit and I have persisted. I have much better results from persistence. <laughs> I love that quote. Obvious, was, right? It's yeah. so great because, right? I mean, it. One of the things that I've talked about many, many times here on the on the show, and what I talk about anytime somebody interviews me about why why network marketing and and why coach in this arena, it's because when every single time somebody enrolls in a company or buys their product sample kit, they have a dream. Whether or not they ever say it out loud, there is a dream in there going, what if this could get me to that, right? The, the dream. And every time somebody quits their business, like people talk about quitting their business. I'm like, no, 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 you guys don't understand. They're quitting that dream. They gave up on that dream, at least for now, because they, they've said, this isn't going to work for me, or I'm not willing to do the work for it. So I, that's, I think, a key 
shift in mindset that you just brought up is that, you know, I gave up on the dream a little bit each time, but that I always recaptured it. Yeah, right. People ask me, this is a common question I get, Jordan, why did you not quit? After all those failures, why did you not quit? Mm -hmm. And the truth is I quit over and over and over again. That's the truth. The truth is I'd work a business for two or three months and I would get a bunch of negativity from people in my life and I couldn't handle the rejection and so I would quit. And then four to six months later, I'd jump into another opportunity because somebody approached me, a friend approached me, or I saw something that looked interesting and I'd sign up with that. And then two or three months later, I quit it again. And but so the, the real skill was bouncing back. It wasn't the thought, it wasn't that I didn't, it wasn't, I, I was quitting, you know, I kept quitting over and over again. And I did make a conscious decision on my 12th company that no matter how bad things got, as long as the company was still paying people, I was going to stick with it no matter how hard it was. And there were a number of reasons, number of things that came up on my journey in my 12th company that if I told them to you, you would have said to me, Jordan, you are 100%, you are 100% uh, right in quitting. Like, because the things that happened were things that if there were a thousand people that all experienced the same thing, they would have all quit. But I didn't. And this was back when I was making nothing. Like I was making less than $200 a month and I could have easily quit. There were two things that came up that were so like bad that I could have easily quit, but I didn't. And I ended up making, going on to make millions of dollars with that company, yeah. almost $10 million. And that was because I decided to learn whatever lessons I needed to learn instead of just throwing in the top. Yes. Oh Most my gosh. Throwing the towel when things get tough. Yeah. I, I, I think that's something that I figured out after, I think, because you addressed that, I believe in beach money talking yeah. about the the not giving up right is one of the decisions i ended up making in my own direct sales business when i was active in the industry was i'm not allowed to make a big decision around my business on a bad day right don't quit on a bad day right it's this it's this whole sense of you know i i can't think of a time when i've made a great decision when i had big emotions happening <laughs> You, know? you, never make a, you never make a good decision on a bad day and everybody quits on a bad day. Mm -hmm. everybody, everybody quit. You don't quit on a good day. Things are going good. Things right. are moving forward. Things are growing. You're not going to quit. So if you make the decision that you're not going to quit on a bad day, sometimes you have to take a break. You might have to take a week, week off and, you know, step back from it, look at it, give it a bird's eye view. But remember, a successful entrepreneur is resourceful. Resourcefulness is one of the strongest important qualities for a successful entrepreneur, resourcefulness. So rather than just saying, it's not going to work, I can't do it. Instead, like, how can I solve this? How can I transform it? How can I look at it in a different way that will present an opportunity versus um, the problems that I'm currently immersed in? Mm. So with all of that now, what were the different things that you encountered moving from six figures and multi-six figures into seven figures. It's the same stuff. And, you know, I like if you talk to any person that has become a multimillionaire, all of them will tell you that most of the things they got involved in, they, they lost money. Hmm. But a couple of things they got involved in, 
far exceeded the money that they lost and they became multimillionaires. So when I look, I could share with you so many failures, like things that I've invested in. And I'll just share one example. We found out recently that my Beach Money and Better Than Beach Money audio audiobooks on Audible, we found out that somebody somewhere along the line stole the titles and attached their bank account to my account. <gasps> so for the past five years, literally thousands and thousands of downloads that were purchased, they were receiving the money, not me. <gasps> no way to cap recapture it. It took us three months to get the Audible books off of Audible. And now it's been four months and we're trying to get it back on. Oh my God. One, that cost me over a hundred grand. That's one example. I could give you so many. There was one point where I invested in about 40. So here's what happens. You start making money and you think you're smart because you're making money at something, right? Mm -hmm. And start making a lot of money and people know it because of your lifestyle Everybody comes to you wanting you to invest your money and they all got great ideas. Friends, uh, people that refer people to you to say, you got to talk to Jordan. He's got money. You know, you should, he may want to invest in your project. And so when you start making money, you think you're smart, but you're not, you're not. This is why so many professional athletes and entertainers end up broke because they're great at playing football, but they don't know anything about investing. But they have their people taking their money and investing in all these different things. And 90% plus of what they invest in, they lose everything. Oh, wow. Depending on how aggressive they are, they end up after their career having nothing to their name. Like MC Hammer, or you can name a long list of professional athletes and entertainers that died broke because they invested all their money and lost it all. You know, Wayne Newton is broke. He's made hundreds of millions of dollars and he's broke right now. Oh. Example because he's invested in a lot of things that went south. So, what's my point? My point is that I needed to realize that just because I'm a successful entrepreneur in one thing doesn't mean that I'm a smart investor. <laughs> I learned one thing and followed this advice. If I had just taken 10% of my money, whatever I made, if I made $100, $10, if I made $1,000, $100, if I made $10,000, $1,000. By taking 10% and put it away into a conservative interest-bearing account and never touched it, never looked at it, no matter what, I would have tens of millions of more money if I had done that. Now, I started doing that about 18 years ago, but the, the 13, 14 years before that, I did not. I actually invested $4 million in about 40 different projects. And all of them, I had restaurants and movies and nightclubs and real estate partnerships and other stuff. Mm -hmm. I lost all of it. Four million. Because I was just saying, you know, I'm Shark Tank. I can throw money here at 40,000 here and 100,000 here and 50,000 here. And so I did that, not really knowing what I was doing. And 90% plus of all startups fail and you yeah. lose all the money. So I don't do that anymore. I still have a sliver of my income that is assigned to discretionary like uh, discretionary investments that are higher risk, but the rest of it is going into a very conservative interest-bearing account, 10%, and just put it away and don't look at it. Put it away and don't look at it. Put it away. If you did that over the course of five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, you're, you're going to be in great shape. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see. There you go. That's one of the other things that so far we haven't 
had that financial conversation necessarily with some of the other six figure and seven figure earners that I've already talked to. So, you know, hey, guys, go talk to a financial advisor who can help you do that. (laughs) Um, I am not a financial advisor to my knowledge. I don't believe you are either, Jordan. So we're going to we're going to cover our well, rear just, ends here. <laughs> you don't even need to go to a financial advisor. Read The Richest Man in Babylon. You just oh. need to you just need to invest in something that they call it uh, I would, you know, like a no-load mutual fund or some type of an annuity, but just something where something simple where you can just put the money away. I'm not a financial advisor, right. but something that throws off a consistent interest rate that's low risk um and you know, another thing you can do when you start making, you know, a few thousand dollars a month, I highly recommend that you use whole life life insurance as an investment mechanism. Ooh. It could actually be your own bank. Um, there's a there's a, a whole there's a whole multi-billion dollar industry out there and it's super, super safe in terms of like the the chances of you losing your money are almost zero. And it's a it's a great way of building wealth. A lot of people that over their lifetimes, a lot of people that are wealthy, that's where they put their money is in. That's what the the banks are actually investing in life insurance companies. Mm. And so, because it's safe. They're the biggest companies out there. So, I've been doing that. That's where I store a lot of my cash is in uh, life insurance. Okay. Not just the death, it's just not just the death benefit, but there's a, because what happens is you build up cash value, you can actually borrow against that cash value and if anything happens to you, the loan gets paid back by your death benefit. But the cash value can then be used and invested to create additional income and then you go to pay back the loan, but you don't have to pay it back the loan hmm. because, it, uh, it, because it's, it, it's covered by your death if something were to happen to you. And so, it gives you the benefit of the death benefit, but also gives you the ability to, li- to live. So, I, a lot of the things that I've done, I bought 49 homes. Uh, rental homes with my cash value for my life insurance. I uh, purchased a ticket on Virgin Galactic Civilian Space Program to go to space. Through that, I bought and I bought uh, bought a um, few cars, uh, exotic sports cars, classic cars with my cash value. Uh, I could I could go on and on. Like mm-hmm. I invested in a big technology project through my cash value, but I've built up that cash value over many 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 years, over almost twenty years. That's just another area to look at. If you're making a little bit of money and you know you're going on to be, make six figures or seven figures, it's a great place to be putting, putting money and building up cash value because then you can become your own bank rather than having to take out loans from companies that are charging all this money. You're borrowing it from yourself. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to that over and over again. To, and- and go to my, I'm going to go to my financial advisor and be like, okay, listen to this, explain it to me. <laughs> yeah. Now, financial planner, you do need to talk to a financial planner about that, but it's, uh, yeah. you want to research being your own bank. Mm, you are not the first person I've heard that from. That's very interesting. Okay. Note to self. So, so Jordan, to, to kind of wrap this up now. So having done all of this, would you say that you are, because it sounds like based on what you're doing, you're, you said you're doing a presentation a day-ish? Yeah, now? I still do that. I average some days, like I think I have one today. Uh, typically, I spend, typically, I spend three hours a day on my business. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm nurturing my existing network by 
uh, looking for opportunities to somehow offer some value to people in my network, mm-hmm. adding people to my network through networking, you know, meeting new people yeah. constantly. Const- I met an, a guy today that's a, a land coach. He teaches people how to flip land. I sent him a card and a copy of my book. That's just an example. You can send any book, but I sent my book. That's a connection that I've made. And now he's in my network and I'm going to make sure that he hears from me at least two or three times a year. And I'm going to make sure he knows what I do. And I'm going to keep adding people every day. So I'm still doing that. And I still give one or two presentations a day, which takes me less than an hour and a half. And then I'm doing follow-up and some training. And then, you know, I'm constantly, constantly working on my own personal development as well. Ah, there you go. So I, cause I know one of the big questions that I've, when I've put it out into uh, my groups, you know, so I've got a couple of Facebook groups out there and I've, I've asked the question, you know, if you could ask a six figure earner anything, what would it be? And one of the big questions that we had was what's a day in the life of a six figure earner like? So you just gave us a great overview of that. So I also would tell you that I don't work until 11 ever. Nice. I don't do my first. I don't do my first appointment till eleven. So the morning is for personal development, reading, uh, breathing exercises, working out. Um, you know, self care. You know, and I think that's important. Now that won't work for everyone. If you've got young kids, mm-hmm. uh, can't do that, right? You're gonna. You, but you do need to. You do need to make sure as part of your daily habits that you carve out a sliver of time for yourself for mm-hmm. self care you know, for your mental health and for your physical health Uh, and spiritual. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that for the for the badass crew who's listening right now, there you go, you know, validation on that. So even if right now it starts at 15 minutes a day, if you did five minutes mental, five minutes physical, five minutes spiritual, you're ahead of the game compared to most people, right? Yeah, that will that will actually jumpstart your day. If you're not doing that now, until you actually start doing that consistently every day, you don't even realize what you're missing. But once you start doing it, you realize that it's just like it's getting charged up for the day. You know, five minutes of physical exercise, five minutes of breathing exercises, making sure that you drink water in the morning, not just a couple of sips, not just when you brush your teeth or whatever. Yeah. But literally chugging down a couple of big glasses of water at when your feet hit the floor, just doing that will completely transform everything. It hydrates your system. Oh, okay. Now, well, you know the other person who does that. It's Scott Conway. I hear from him all the time about that too. So he taught me or I taught him. No, what actually, I read, I read it in a book and I it, it changed my life. Just that. That one little thing changed my life because- I was one of those people that, you know, I drank water throughout the day, but nothing like that. Like I'm talking over hydrating your body as the first thing you do in the morning when your feet hit the floor. Mm. That in and of itself will, it'll blow your mind what that does, like to your body and to your, the way you feel. Ah. All right. Well, here I am. I'm going to start that tomorrow. <laughs> and, and I know you and I are going to be on the, the podcaster's cruise coming up in a few days. So hold me to it. <laughs> I'll do it every day on the podcaster's cruise. Every oh, single day. I believe it. I believe it. You, you are very consistent. If nothing else, you are consistent and persistent. So, Jordan, I really appreciate you being here and sharing the, your experience of, of getting to the six and seven figure um, 
with the audience here because this is something that had a lot of people asking me about. And so to have you here, I really appreciate you and your time and your expertise. Thank you. It was my honor and it's great to see you. And I'm excited to spend some time on the cruise with you. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. And Badass Crew, as you know, stay tuned because there's another Badass episode on its way. Thanks for listening to the Badass Direct Sales Mastery Podcast with your direct sales dom, Jenny Bellinger. Why are you waiting to go to BadassDirectSalesMastery.com? Don't make the dom get her whip. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with another rock star that you know in direct sales after you subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. You can also check out the show notes for links and any contact information mentioned in today's episode. We'll see you next time.